Welcome to Radio KBPV, Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, a podcast about the history of southwestern Alberta, presented by Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village of Pincher Creek, a museum complex that documents the stories of Western Canada's agricultural settlement through the preservation of local buildings and artifacts among a six-acre park. Pincher Creek is a town of 3,700 souls in a vast rural trading area of some 3,000 rural dwellers. A vibrant region of rolling prairie, foothills, the Rocky Mountains, the Pecani First Nation, Waterton Lakes National Park, the Crow's Nest Pass, and the Upper River Watershed of the South Saskatchewan River Basin. Join us in this podcast where we present walking tours of our buildings and hear the stories of the farmers, townsmen, cowboys, mounties, pioneer women, politicians, chroniclers, miners, railroaders, and so many other significant histories of this particular corner of Canada. Well, welcome back to Radio KBPV, and uh, welcome in particular to our Tombstone Tours of 2023. And uh, if you've been following the podcast, you know that through the spring and summer of this year, we've been presenting last year's uh, Tombstone Tours that we did at the Pioneer Cemetery here in Pincher Creek. And uh, you know that we've also been promoting... Um, what our plans were for this summer's tombstone tour, which was not actually in a graveyard. It was on the grounds of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village itself. So uh, this naturally was a virtual tour, not uh, exactly in a cemetery, but uh, we had representations of uh, a selected local pioneers and uh, historical characters who made significant trailblazing contributions to our frontier settlement but who had passed away elsewhere. Uh, I am uh, speaking about this right now as a matter of introduction to our tombstone tours which of course will be episodic and will be divided into 16 episodes that you will hear on Radio KBPV every Saturday morning for the next 16 weeks or so. So that should keep you going through the fall. So now for our 10th reading, uh, we're going to hear about Leslie Cook, born 1908 in Pincher Creek, died in 1942. Now when I say he was a Second World War pilot, it wasn't quite in the way that you might think those words play out. So that were, that reading will be by myself, Ranger Gord Tolton, in front of the outside exit door of the military exhibit. Uh, Ranger Gord has a presentation on Leslie Cook, who had uh, Second World War connections here in Pincher Creeks. Okay. This is normally where I'd have this on the gravestone, but the gravestone is behind us right now against the military exhibit door. But that's fine. Uh, we're not going to get too far away from the Goforth uh crossing here as we begin this and then we're going to go very far away from it as we discuss pilot les cook 1908-1942 who is buried at the pioneer cemetery whitehorse yukon territory and uh this is how we got there <laughs> uh, a bit of an introduction here if you look in the original paragraphs to mountain pass community history book under the cook family it lists Bert Cook as killed in the Second World War as a member of the Royal Canadian Air Force. 
That's something you'd usually just accept as fact when you saw that in a, in a history book. But then last fall, um, a relative, or a descendant I should say, Don Cook, dropped some copies of some family holdings and a news clipping that mentioned a Leslie Cook who'd received air, an air, the Air Medal, the United States Air Medal from the United States Army Air Force in a ceremony in the Yukon during World War II. Well, that made me scratch my head a little bit. Well, I couldn't leave that one alone. Something didn't quite add up here. And soon I found a story that, pun intended, tailspun right into a personal project. And soon found that the community history book, I'm sorry, Farley, was wrong! <laughs> and at the same time, more correct than it knew. So here is what I believe to be the corrected story. Bush pilots in the 1940s were of two types. Veterans of the Great War, as biplane fighter airmen who all come home to lend their daredevil experience to the opening of the northern frontier, where the air was as cold as the bush pilot's blood. Other experienced bush pilots were a little bit younger, although inspired by the war veterans, and were as diligent as their elders, and even more instrumental in making the epic of the flight a key part of the north. One such enterprising was a barnstormer was Leslie Cook, who as United States Army Brigadier General James O'Connor wrote, was a true son of the North, as an American might define a Canadian bush pilot. In truth, the North had adopted Cook. He actually grew up far to the south, within miles of the American boundary. Leslie Ethelbert Cook was born in 1908 in Pincher Creek, Alberta where the huge prairie sky meets the Rocky Mountains. Earl and Margaret Cook were an ambitious and creative pioneer farm couple who always traded up for the next technology, from horses to steam to gas power. Earl was always at the head of the crop and, and would own the first self-propelled combine harvester in the area. Margaret had an electrical switch from her bedside to the chicken coop in order to turn the lights on in the wee hours to fool the hens into laying an early crop of eggs. <laughs> So, from these genes, Earl talked his progressivism too. He worked with his neighbors to establish the local farm cooperative, a province-wide grain marketing agency, the, the Wheat Pool, and even traded his overalls for a business suit to represent his political constituency in the Alberta legislature. From his family farm, young Les could see that jagged horizon to the west and that sky all around him, even as he grew up reading the daring exploits of Canadians not much older than than himself, opposing German flyers like Baron Manfred von Richthofen in the French and Belgian skies. So with optimism in his blood, Les Cook challenged that horizon and built an airstrip on the farm. Soon, not even that could contain him as he followed his challenges of the north. Les's earliest forays into the north saw him operating a fur trading post at Sheldon Lake, Yukon, while establishing his credentials as a bush pilot during the Great Depression. Soon Les was married to Lillian Murray, who I have no information on, I'm sorry, but by 1942 the Cooks were ready to start a family with the birth of Leslie Jr. But it was the, the year that World War II interrupted, even the cold northern stillness of the remote Yukon. In December 1941, of course, Pearl Harbor uh, was attacked, and five months later, in June 3, 1942, 
That same Imperial Japanese Navy turned north and attacked the naval and port and military base of Dutch Harbor, Alaska, and then occupied the Attu and Kiska Islands in the Aleutian chain and assigned submarines to prey upon shipping and harass ports up and down the Pacific coast. The war was off our shores. To retake this real estate and cut off Japan's strategic plan plans, the U.S. military embarked on several mega-projects. The Alcan, or the Alaska Highway, the Canole Pipeline, and of most interest to Les Cook, the Northwest Air Staging Route that connected the American heartland with the Alaskan Pacific and that would eventually connect North America with Siberia. As the call of wild was drowned out by the call of duty, that's one for you, Robin. <laughs> Les Cook was one of the many push pilots that answered. As the U.S. rushed to war in the Pacific and in mobilizing for England and other places around the globe, the American military just did not have the aircraft or pilots to spare at that point to scout out a home front highway project. And the perennially underfunded Royal Canadian Air Force, far, force <laughs> Freudian slip, that one was. Already at war for over two years, suffered similar shortages. Well, with work to do, Brigadier General William Hogue, the U.S. Army's overseer of the Alcan Highway Project, set up headquarters at the halfway point at Whitehorse, Yukon. Hogue turned to World War I veteran and bush pilot entrepreneur Grant McConaughey for assistance. Two local bush pilots were hired. Private bush pilots George um, Dalzale, sorry I don't have a pronunciation, and Les Cook, to ferry the military personnel up over the air routes in the Yukon wilderness and perform aerial reconnaissance to assist the wartime projects. On many occasions, General Hogue climbed into Cook's Norseman aircraft, where the passenger seat was replaced by a spare gasoline drum. Flying range was more vital than customer comfort. Hogue didn't complain. Cook was just a crackerjack pilot. He was the one who showed me the route to follow, the route itself of the Alaska Highway. In one such flight, Les Cook ably illustrated to Hogue the reasons to abandon the Prince George route after showing him the ice-bound Liard River on the Yukon-BC border and for advising Hogue to follow the already established Northwest Air staging route following a string of existing airfields and radio towers to duplicate the ground route. In this way, our own Les Cook influenced the existing Alaska Highway we have today. In November 1942, Les Cook was called upon to make a life-saving flight. An American soldier, Sergeant James West, had taken ill with appendicitis at a remote construction camp on the Donjek River crossing on the highway project. West couldn't be moved by land, and there was no surgeon on hand in the camp. Les Cook loaded up two U.S. Army medics in Whitehorse and set out for the camp. 187 miles north of Whitehorse. After two and a half hours enveloped in darkness and a raging blizzard, Cook arrived to Donjack River where five army trucks in an L-shaped formation cast their headlights on a snow-covered runway strip, just like out of MASH. After a landing as good as one could ask, the, hoffers, the officers rushed over to the barracks to perform the life-saving appendectomy. On December 4, 1942, aircraft mechanics Don Dixon and Ken McLean finished up a bit of routine engine maintenance on Les Cook's Norseman at the Whitehorse airfield. Around 1,600 hours, Les felt the need to take the plane out for a test spin 
and invited Dixon and McLean into the cab for a ride so all could monitor the improvements. Takeoff was accomplished and without incident, but just a few yards later, something went horribly wrong. Les knew immediately that an emergency landing was required and chose White Horse's Main Street to bring in his craft. Steering was obviously out of control as the Norseman wings touched both trees and telephone poles as it descended to the street. The sudden contact plunged the plane into the ground with full impact force, bursting into fire near the Isaac Taylor home on Front Street, just off the Yukon River. And a personal interjection on this. As I unfolded this story over the spring, a tourist just happened to visit the Pioneer Village from Whitehorse. And I thought to ask if he knew anything about this event. When I gave him the date, he, he just looked mortified, and he recalled the fact that his mother, in fact, had witnessed this crash and had been traumatized for years by the shock as the fire instantly consumed all three occupants of this airplane, and I'm assuming she wasn't alone. As the news reported, the skill and ingenuity Les had displayed in his many mercy flights, and for the benefit of others, he was unable to apply to save his own life and those of his companions who died with him. Ken McLean's remains were shipped for burial to Edmonton as Donald Dixon, 28, and pilot Les Cook, 34, were buried in White Horse's Pioneer Cemetery. Cemetery. Cook Street in White House is White Horse is named in his honor. A year later, December 10th, 1943, Brigadier General James O'Connor of the Northwest Service Command ordered a military service at Les Cook's graveside in White Horse. In attendance were uniformed members of the Royal Canadian Air Force, the RCMP, and the U.S. Army and Army Air Corps with brass bands playing the anthems of both nations. There, O'Connor presented Lillian Cook and the young infant Leslie Cook Jr. with the United States Army Air Medal, awarded posthumously to Les Cook as a Canadian civilian pilot. General O'Connor said this, and we have said this before, but I'll repeat it again. Leslie Cook was a true son of the North. He was a humanitarian. Repeatedly, he risked his life to save men, women, and children who were sick and helpless in the wilderness. His flights to bring medical attention to American soldiers were the deeds of a good Samaritan who knew no fear. He was a pioneer of the Northern Airways. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tales of Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village. This episode was researched and written by historians Farley Wood and Gord Tolton. This podcast is recorded and engineered by Gord Tolton. Episodes can be found at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcatcher. Visit our website at www.kootenaybrown.ca. Kootenay is spelled K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I. Also, visit and join our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more information on our museum, or even better, visit us at 1037 Beverly McLaughlin Drive in beautiful Pincher Creek, Alberta.